Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth. Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. All right, let's see here. Today is Sunday. It's uh, 15 November. Time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And we got uh, a few things to announce. The first is uh, happy birthday to my friend Jeremy. He's up in Calgary, and I woke up this morning, and I saw it was his birthday, so I thought, I know he watches the update, so we'll wish Jeremy a happy birthday. And then we have Ray and Liz Ryder, who just showed up this morning out of the blue, and they're from Columbus, Ohio, and we want to welcome you. It's very nice to have you here. And then uh, we also have Al G. And I'm not going any further than that. I can't pronounce that last name. I tried last night. We went out to dinner. Uh, and uh, I, he said it, and I don't remember it. So Al, he's up just from north of us a little bit around the uh, uh, Palm Harbor area. And he came down to check out the church. And we've been talking via email for a while. And uh, it's good to have you here, sir. And then we're just finishing up a week with Don and Pam. They've been, uh, where are you guys? Oh, they're in the back all of a sudden. Uh, they uh, they spent the week here. They were uh, first up in St. Pete for a couple days in a hotel. And during the hurricane that we had, they had a, a what do you call it, a fire alarm go off in their level of the condominium or whatever you call it. And so it... 12 o'clock in the night, they had to move to another floor in the, you know, the hotel because they couldn't secure that particular, I'm just terrible. So they went through that. And then what was worse is they ended up coming down and staying with us for the past three or four days. And that must have driven them crazy because we got nine dogs and they're making noise all the time. And so anyway, they packed them, they got them all packed up. They're taking them back with them. So Anyway, it's been really wonderful having you guys here, and we very much appreciate you. They came out to the projects yesterday with us, and they had a good time out there, and so very, very much appreciated you guys doing this. So all of you are welcome, and one other thing, I got a bandana. I'm wearing my friends uh, Ray and Amber and Eugene, the Marcus family, sent this to me for, what do you call it, uh, November 11th, is it? Veterans Day, thank you. And so there you go. I want to thank them for that. What's that? Uh, no, no. Eugene is the son. Oh. And uh, they're in uh, Horseshoe Bend, Arkansas is where oh, they live. Yeah. He's a great musician. He's, I've got some of the CDs in the back here. So good stuff. But thanking them for that. And then uh, Sergio sent me, he waited until uh, Tuesday and he sent me a, a couple of messages from Israel. And he said, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the U.S. government's top infectious disease expert, said the results suggesting 90% effectiveness are just extraordinary, adding not very many people expected it would be as high as that, exactly one week after the election. And so Sergio said that's exactly what you said would happen six months ago. COVID will end on November 3rd. I remember you said that, and I was waiting impatiently to see if it will actually happen, if it really was a political game in the United States, and it's exactly what has happened. Look at these guys. How are you doing? Ryan, and uh, who's who's your friend here? This is my uncle. Your uncle. Tim from Pleasanton. Tim from Pleasanton, California. California. We just got some people coming and visiting, and it's good to have you here. Is your beautiful wife here? Uh, she's yeah, she's going to go with the baby. Okay, understood. Good to have you here. I see you've been working out a little bit. You're starting to bulk up a little bit. This, this guy is huge. Anyway, there you go. Okay, our first category, as always, is Israel. And let's see here. From the Times of Israel, Jerusalem cable car. We talked about it last year. They were talking about putting a cable car to the Temple Mount area, and they're going through with it. The excavation work to begin in the next few days. And it's obviously riling up the lefties, and it's also riling up the uh, Arabs, the Muslim counterparts and so evacuation works will start to prepare for construction of the controversial cable car plan to connect west jerusalem with the old city even though the high court has not yet ruled on a petition to scrap the project existing infrastructure such as water sewage and telecommunication systems will need to be removed the jerusalem development authority which is responsible for implementing the cable car project want approval from the agriculture ministries forest commissioners unit to remove trees along the cable car's route. The cable car, for which the government has already budgeted $55 million, is planned to stretch from the first station, cultural complex in the south of the city, to the old city's Dungate, 
which is the closest entrance to the Western Wall, Judaism's most venerated prayer site. Mount Zion will host the only station along the way. A maintenance depot is to be built in the neighborhood of Abu Tor. So there you go. They're going to do this, and it's going to ruffle feathers, but eventually it'll get built, and everybody will just forget it like they do everything else. But from I-24, Malawi to open Israel Embassy in Jerusalem by the end of summer 2021. So things continue to move, and this is solely because our president was willing to step forward and do the things he did. Israel and the Christian African Mission have maintained relations since 1964. That's the year I was born. So there you go, which uh, Foreign Minister Makakak said stood the test of time. In spite of this, neither has opened an embassy in the other country. President Chakwera said in September he planned on opening a diplomatic mission in Jerusalem. Other countries have followed the United States in moving embassies to Jerusalem following U.S. President Donald Trump's recognition of the city as Israel's capital. Guatemala is the only other country with an active embassy in Jerusalem, although Honduras has said it will also open its embassy there by the end of 2020. So good stuff is happening in the world because of our president. And uh, once again, I'm not going to talk about the politics like I did uh, last week. I'm just going to let it go. We're going to see how it plays out. But, you know, there's always hope that uh, the Lord will intervene in whatever way he does. And if not, you know, he knows what's going to happen. It's no surprise to him. So we don't need to be frustrated and anxious about what's coming on the world. We just simply accept that uh, if President Trump is in fact vindicated, that's the way it is. And we'll just leave it at that. From Haaretz, Israeli ministers push an end to restrictions on same-sex couples' right to adopt. Bad news, but this is the way of the world, and they're pushing this in Israel as well. Go read Ezekiel 36.22, and you'll know what I think about that. From News RU, shops with a separate entrance from the street will reopen from next week. So if you have two entrances, one from the street and one from somewhere else, they're going to allow you finally in Israel to open your shop, which is as crazy as it can be. But uh, the coronavirus cabinet has supported the opening of stores with a separate entrance from the street. In the beginning, ministers were inclined to open stores only in green cities, but the final decision does not include such a reservation. All street shops will open, subject to the purple standard. Only four customers can be in the store at a time. Ridiculous, but that's what they're doing. Finance Minister Israel Kotz hailed the cabinet's decision. This is a victory of common sense and the oxygen to save small businesses. I'm surprised any are left at all after Israel's decisions lately. It's like New York and California. But small business owners are at the forefront of the economic fight against the coronavirus epidemic and have paid a very high price due to the restrictions imposed. From Israel Hayom, Israel actress Gal Gadot in hot water for congratulating Biden on election win. She went out on Twitter and she, you know, typical lefties. But while Gadot's post quickly gained over a million likes, there were many who took her to task, calling her a populist and accusing her of being a Hollywood liberal who has forgotten what is good for her country, which is exactly right, because it is Trump that is built up Israel into the international force that it is today. They would be on the same level they were four years ago, if not further down, if, uh, if things didn't turn out with Trump. But he has really moved them forward. And these people that are from Israel ought to recognize this, and the majority do, but you get people like this that don't. From Arat Shiva, UN resolution, call Temple Mount solely by its Muslim name. This happens year after year after year. It happened again, and I'm going to report on it. UNGA committee adopted a resolution that referred to Jerusalem's Temple Mount solely by its Muslim name of Haram al-Sharif. The Temple Mount resolution was one of seven resolutions passed by the General Assembly that single out or condemn Israel with zero on the entire rest of the world. And they do this every year, picking on Israel. One of the other texts approved condemns Israel for repressive measures against Syrian citizens in the Golan Heights. Another renews the mandate of the UNRWA, while another renews the mandate of the UN Special Committee to investigate Israeli practices affecting the human rights of the Palestinian people and other Arabs of the occupied territories. It's just year after year, they keep pushing this stuff out when it's completely untrue. From All Israel, Knesset approves deal establishing ties with Bahrain. That had to actually be approved, even though it was already semi-approved. 
They did it. Israel's parliament on Tuesday approved a U.S. broker deal establishing formal relations with Bahrain by a vote of 62 lawmakers in favor and 14 opposed. So the 14 were probably Muslims or very left-leaning people, but uh, I shouldn't say just Muslims. It would be the Arab community, whether they're Muslims or not. But um, you can see it was unanimous. I wasn't unanimous, but it was greatly uh, in favor of doing this. Christian News. Let's see here. Bob Hart, he's a guy that uh, did the Genesis series of sermons. He watched all of them, took my advice on that. And he emailed me and he said, I did not plan on finishing the Exodus sermons on election day, but I guess God had planned that for me. I am in tears having gone through Genesis and Exodus sermons and teachings. And he says, I now know without any doubts that every word in the Bible is God's word and that it all points to Jesus. And he says he's off to Leviticus. He's already sent me many emails about Leviticus and how he's enjoying it. But hats off to this guy for suffering all the way through my Genesis and now Exodus sermons. And I say that tongue-in-cheek. It's the Word of God. And if the presenter isn't doing a very good job, at least the Word speaks for itself. So there you go. From Yahoo, Armenian recruits baptized before heading into war. That's good. I like that, that they're uh, being baptized. But uh, they should have done it probably at a point when they received Jesus, and hopefully they have. This article kind of miffed me a little bit, so I'll read it to you, at least a portion of it. In a wooded area of Nagorno-Karabakh, new recruits to the war besieging the region are undergoing a ritual they hope will help them endure the fight. Baptism into the Armenian Apostolic Church. One by one, the young men in camouflage fatigues approached a priest who dipped their clasped hands into a water-filled kettle and then anointed their heads and necks. Afterward, the young men stood at attention as the priest hung wooden crosses around their necks. So it's a lot of symbolism there. Uh, the thing that we need, Jim opened us today and he talked about um, somebody getting run over when he was on his morning bike ride and that person is off to meet the creator and whatever his status was that is what it is when your breath ends and these people I'm glad that they're being baptized but it doesn't mean that they know Jesus you can tell from the article what I read that and from the rest of the article as well is that a lot of people will you know, want to be almost like a talisman. They want to get baptized. They want to wear a wooden cross or something in order to protect them while they're in battle. And that does not mean that they're saved. And so I would recommend that every person that listens to this prophecy update understand that you will die someday. It may be tomorrow morning on your way to get coffee like that guy that got run over that Jim saw, or it could be in 50 years from now. You have no idea when your day is coming. But if you are not ready to meet your Creator, you're not in really good shape. And these guys may or may not be. And going through a ritual is not going to get you there. You have to call on Christ. You have to believe the gospel message. And it's very simple. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 5 is the gospel message. Christ died for your sins, implying that you're a sinner. sinner. And he was buried, meaning he was really dead. He wasn't just there in a swoon state or something that the liberals tried to push on you. And it says that he rose again. And that means that he had no sin of his own because the wages of sin is death. We die because we have sin. If he came out of the grave, it means that he had no sin. And yet he died for sin, the sins of the world, the people of the world. And so what's left when Christ came out of the grave? Your sins. That's all that's left in the grave. He died for you and he died for your sins. And so he was buried with those sins and he came out of the grave leaving your sins behind. And so you talk about the doctrine of eternal salvation. I know people struggle with that. You shouldn't have to struggle at all. You are not being imputed sins once you come to Christ. Your sins that you have committed in your life are in the grave. They will never be called to memory again, okay? And then from there, the Bible says that 2 Corinthians 5.19, go check it out. It says, God is not counting men's sins against them. He is not imputing them their transgressions. That's telling you that you are not under law any longer. By law is the knowledge of sin. By law is the imputation of sin. If your sins that you have committed are in the grave and you are no longer imputing sins, then you can no longer lose your salvation. Everybody understand that? I hope you do because there are people that will attack the doctrine of eternal salvation when it is as clear as crystal in the Bible. But you need to first be right with Jesus Christ. Call on him, be saved, and then from there you will be saved forever. But you should live for him as well. Okay, from Christian Headlines. School bans third graders Jesus Loves Me mask and threatens suspension. 
a Mississippi family is alleging religious discrimination against their third grade daughter's elementary school after officials there forced her to remove her mask with the phrase, Jesus loves me. Matthew and Jennifer Booth filed a federal lawsuit, good for them, against Simpson County School District in Mississippi because their daughter, Lydia, was ordered to remove the mask on October 13th and replace it with one her school, Simpson Central, supplied. All students are required to wear masks to help slow the spread of COVID-19. Booth could be suspended if she continues wearing her faith-themed mask. The Alliance Defense Fund is representing the family. The lawsuit says the school permits students to convey a multitude of messages concerning unlimited topics on their masks, such as BLM and the New Orleans Saints logo, but forced Booth to remove her Jesus Loves Me mask, even though the suit said it had caused no disruptions. The school has a policy prohibiting messages on masks that are political, religious, sexual, or inappropriate. Well, I can see BLM right there as being political, so there you go with that, but obviously that doesn't matter, and or maybe offensive, disruptive, or deemed distractive. Well, if you're white and you say that white lives matter, and they argue, no, they don't, only black lives matter, that's disruptive. We have these things going on in this nation, and I'm glad that the Lions Defense Fund is there to take on these lawsuits and to challenge these people because this is discrimination against your religious rights. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. The United States Constitution has amendments, and the first ten are known as the Bill of That's right, the Bill of Rights, okay? The first one says the right of religion, the right of freedom of speech, right of freedom of the press. Everybody got that? Which is the first one of those three? Religion. We are having our religion, our First Amendment, and the first part of the First Amendment stolen away from us, and we need to stand firm and not allow this. And I'm so glad that there are lawyer firms that are willing to stand up and do this. So support them. Call on them if you need them. But if you can support them, please do, because these people are doing a wonderful job here. Anyway, uh, defendant censorship of Booth's religious message and the religious speech policy and practice on which that censorship was based violate the First Amendment and 14th Amendments to the United States Constitution, the suit says. Good for them. Are you okay, Susan Garrett? Okay, you don't look like you're very, my mom doesn't look very well today. Israel Today says Israel rules against Messianic Jews. They're having problems in Israel with that as well, just like we are. The Christians are being starting to be persecuted. Well, they do it against the believers of Christ in Israel. Israel's Knesset Finance Committee voted last week to prevent a Messianic Jewish congregation from receiving tax benefits on donations and taxation on land as allowed for synagogues and churches. The committee is headed by Rabbi Moshe Gafni, one of the heads of the ultra-Orthodox party United Torah Judaism. The decision should serve as a wake-up call for all Messianic Jews, considering that it was unanimously approved by all 16 committee members, including Arabs and Jews, secular and religious, left-wing and right-wing also. Financially, this is a setback for the Messianic Jewish movement in Israel because the ability to write off income tax for donations made to their synagogues, churches, and activities would have been an important incentive for supporters to donate. In the United States, Britain, and many other countries around the world, people choose to contribute to recognized nonprofits, which then allows them to reduce the amount of income tax they pay. Well, you know, they have the same basic thing over there that we have in the United States. You get 501c3, and, you know, you can get tax write-offs and all that kind of stuff. I don't personally think it's necessary. The superior word doesn't do any of that type of stuff, and we've been okay. We've kept our doors open now since whenever we started uh, 2013. And so it's really not necessary, but it's unfair that these people believe in the Lord that came to redeem Israel, and they're being persecuted because of it. So I just keep the Messianic congregations in Israel in prayer. From all Israel, exit polls find Trump actually lost Christian support Tuesday, last Tuesday, despite heavily courting evangelicals. And that's because of people like John Piper and others that stood up and said, you don't need to vote you know, you can vote for Biden if you want. You can vote for Trump if you want. You don't have to vote for either. And they were weak in their convictions. And when we have the party of Satan, maybe now taking over the White House of the United States of America. So there you go. You know my opinion on that already. I'm not going to give you any more of it. But there's the birthday girl. 
just coming in. It was actually yesterday, but Joan had her birthday, and uh, they're showing up late for the Prophecy Update, but we will forgive them for that. So, happy birthday to you. Happy, happy birthday. All right, we got, uh, let's see here, from Mideast and Africa News, from Al Jazeera, Nile Dam talks between Egypt, Ethiopia, and Sudan fail again. Egypt, Ethiopia, and Sudan have once again failed to agree on a new negotiating approach to resolve their years-long dispute over the controversial dam that Ethiopia is building on the Blue Nile River. If this doesn't work out, and I have no idea, I, I can't even guess where this is going, but if this does not work out, I can see Egypt actually going and blowing up this dam. Because once that thing is finished and they start filling it, there's nothing they will ever be able to do about it, ever. Because if that thing fills up with water and something happens to it, it will run down the Nile River and it will completely destroy. It will be the end of Egypt. Egypt will no longer exist. Now, obviously, that's not going to be the case because the Bible says Egypt will exist. But if something was to happen later where that... And the same thing is true with the Aswan Dam. The Aswan Dam up there, if somebody was to go and blow that up... And I am quite certain in my heart, and I've never you know, read any analysis of this... But I'm quite certain in my heart that it, one of the reasons why Egypt made a deal with Israel is because Israel can go in with one bomb and completely destroy the nation of Egypt. And they know that. They know that if that water all rushes down there, everybody lives on the Nile. It's, all of the populace of Egypt is on that Nile River. And if you look at it at night with a satellite, okay, the, the night photo, all you see is lights along the Nile and everything else is dark in that country. Okay, because there's no water anywhere else except from the Nile. And so I'm certain that they are, are willing to have made that agreement all those years ago because of the situation that they have themselves in with that. If there's another dam built up there and they can't regulate it and they start using that to extort Egypt, there's a problem. And so we'll see what happens, but I could just see somebody going and blowing up this Blue Nile River dam. All right, from the Times of Israel. Pompeo announces $23 billion sale of F-35s, other arms to the UAE, and links it to the Israel peace deal. Last week, I didn't report on it, but the deal was $11 billion, and within one week, it went to $23 billion. And this is solely because of the work of Donald Trump, solely. We've got people that are going to be making money and building American businesses because of what he has done, and all of the credit is going to go to the next guy if he takes over. We'll see what happens, though. The sale worth up to $23.37 billion, including 50 F-35s, 18 advanced arm Reaper drone systems, and a package of air-to-air -air and air-to-ground munitions in light of the proposed weapons sales to the UAE. Gantz traveled to Washington twice. He's the defense minister right now. And then U.S. Secretary of Defense Mark Esper came to Israel once in the span of just one month in order to lay out the general framework for a way in which the U.S. would ensure Israel's military advantage. By law, they have to do that but they would do it anyway under this administration. They would protect Israel's military advantage, and they feel that selling these weapon systems to the UAE will not affect Israel's military edge. And so there you go. They're going to go through with it. From the Jerusalem Post, Iran offers Arab states mafia deal of security or punishment after Trump. Iran, yeah, Iran has sought to reach out to its Arab neighbors, you know, a little olive leaf right now, with Iranian Foreign Minister Javad Zarif warning them that President Trump will be leaving in 70 days, but Iran's regime will remain forever. He urged them to realize that betting on outsiders to provide security is never a good gamble. In Arabic and English, he called out for dialogue and to work together. The message was clearly aimed at the Gulf states and others that are partnered with the United States. Iran was offering them an opening, a message, shift and join us or suffer in the future. The U.S. will not protect you. This is the kind of carrot and stick approach, a mafia don offering protection. In a long speech, Foreign Minister Spokesman Saeed Khatid Badze urged Iran's neighbors to return to talks with Iran. The Trump admin has gone in a very wrong direction over the past few years, and the maximum pressure has reached the maximum failure, he said. After the martyrdom of IRGC Quds Force General Qasem Soleimani, Iran resorted to the necessary reactions. Tehran is wondering what might come next after Trump leaves. Iran has had a continuous policy, which is the policy of good neighborliness, Qadtids Badze said. 
He echoed Zarif's warning that those who asked for U.S. security protection would find out that they cannot always pay and lobby and buy security and kill the Yemeni people, which Yemen is aligned with Iran. This reference was about Saudi Arabia's intervention in Yemen in, since 2015. This is a clear message from Iran to them that we said seven years ago in this government and in previous years that still stands, Khatib Badze said. We hope they reach the rationale that we need a local mechanism in the region. Iran is always ready. Here again, Iran was promising Arab states a carrot and stick approach. If they obey Iran and work with its regime, then there will be security on Iran's model, a mechanism from Tehran. So there you go. This is what's going on in the world. And we'll see if Biden gets in, what is he going to do with them? Because he's just going to waffle and cave and it's going to be a nightmare. And it's probably the impetus for Gog Magog. They'll see that America isn't willing to stand up to anybody and down they come against Israel. But that's just speculation. You know, we'll just have to see how it all pans out from the Times of Israel. Pompeo expected in Israel amid bid to hike Iran sanctions before Biden takeover. They're doing all kinds of stuff now that will be almost irreversible when this guy comes in because they understand the gravity of the situation. Secretary of State Pompeo is expected in Israel as Jerusalem and Washington plan a last-minute spate of sanctions on Iran in a bid to stymie efforts by the incoming Biden administration to re-enter the Iran nuclear deal. Pompeo will arrive in Israel on November 18th, three days from today, and will probably visit other countries in the region. The reports said that the Trump admin, in coordination with Israel and Arab states in the Persian Gulf, was planning a bevy of wide-ranging sanctions on Iran to make it more difficult for the incoming admin to re-enter the deal. U.S. Special Representative for Iran and Venezuela, Elliot Abrams, is planning to announce a raft of fresh sanctions on Iran every week from now until January 20th. Good policy. These sanctions will reportedly target Iran's missile program and its support for terrorist groups, as well as focus on its human rights violations, making it harder for Biden to roll back such punishments. Israel and Gulf states believe Biden will swiftly lift other sanctions on Iran's nuclear program to restart diplomacy with Tehran, shedding some of the U.S.'s leverage over the cash-strapped country. New sanctions, therefore, would keep up the pressure on Tehran to compromise and likely keep Biden out of the international pact unless he lifts them. The goal is as many sanctions as possible by January 20th. An Arab official involved in the negotiations said the goal of the Trump admin is to impose sanctions that Biden cannot lift. This very wise decisions he's making because these people that are going, if they win, the White House in the end, and they go in, they're going to do everything possible to destroy this world as quickly as possible. This is their goal. Just mark my words on this. They'll take this nation down and they'll try to bring everything else that's good and decent in this world down with them. From Mongolia, ESPN. Mongolia accuses F1's Verstappen. Anybody watch these race cars? These, you know, okay, I don't know who he is, but Verstappen of racist and derogatory remarks. I actually had to chuckle at this because of the terminology used, and, you know, it's just the way we are. You know, we call people certain names based on certain ethnicities. You don't mean anything. You're just making a generalization. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch the movie um, uh, Blazing Saddles by Mel Brooks, and he picks on every ethnic group in the planet, okay? Well, this is what happened here. The Mongolian government has written to Motor Racing's governing body, the FIA, to complain about F1 driver Max Verstappen's racist and derogatory remarks during the Portuguese Grand Prix. Verstappen collided with the rival driver Lance Stroll during Friday practice at the Portimao circuit. After the incident, a radio message from Verstappen to his Red Bull team was broadcast. It included multiple profanities and a slur for which he was reprimanded and concluded with, I have damage. What a Mongol. I swear. Mongolia's UN ambassador wrote to the FIA this week over the comments. The report goes on to state the Mongolian government also has sent letters expressing its anger to Red Bull CEO and founder and Aston Martin CEO Tobias Morris. Aston Martin is Red Bull's title sponsor. I know it's kind of funny. I just, you know, I mean, we say things, we don't mean anything negative. I don't even know if he knows what a Mongol is. It's just, you know, you got the Mongol Empire and they invaded uh, Europe 10 billion years ago. And so people remember these things and their culture and their lores and they use a term 
I don't think he was picking on the Mongolian people, but they sure took it that way. He seems like a kraut. Uh, yeah, yeah, like a kraut. There you go. Now I got every German in the world. Lothar, if you're listening right now, I apologize. That was Jim, not me, okay? All right, from Daniel 12 Technology, New Atlas. 2D material helps new computer chip. This I love this stuff. I mean, every week there's just great innovations in the world. 2D material helps new computer chip process and store data like a neuron. It can do both now. Yes, engineers at EPFL have created a new computer chip that can both process and store data in the same circuit. It's made using a two-dimensional material called molybdenum disulfide. MOS2, paving the way for smaller and more energy efficient electronics. Traditional computer processes, uh, they store data in one area, the CPU, then pass it off to another section such as a hard disk or a solid state drive for storage. The system has worked for us for decades, but it's not necessarily the most efficient way to do things. For instance, what is the most advanced computer in the universe? The brain, and that's what they are trying to emulate here. That's right. It says, for instance, in the brain, the most powerful computer in the world, neurons have the ability to both process and store information. In recent years, engineers have tried to mimic this functionality, creating chips with logic and memory architecture, sometimes known as memristors. The idea is that without the need to shuttle data around so much, we could make smaller and faster devices that chew up less energy. The EPFL study takes some new steps towards that goal. The team's new logic and memory chip is the first to be made with a two-dimensional material comprising a single layer of MOS2 that's just three atoms thick. Not only is this material ultra-thinness perfect for shrinking devices down, but it makes a great semiconductor as well. The new chip is what's known as a floating gate field effect transistor, usually used in flash memory systems such as SD cards. These transistors are good at restraining electric charges for long periods of time. MOS2 is especially sensitive to these stored charges, allowing it to perform both logic and memory functions. Our circuit design has several advantages. It can reduce the energy loss associated with transferring data between memory units and processors, cut the amount of time needed for computing operations, and shrink the amount of space required. That opens the door to devices that are smaller, more powerful, and more energy efficient. So very interesting stuff there. I love that. You know, they talk about the um, Nintendo system uh, that we used to use, what, 20 years ago, had more computing power than the entire Apollo 11 system, everything that they used to get these guys up on the moon. And now one, what do you call it, smartphone, I don't own them, so I can't remember what they're called. One smartphone has enough computing power, it's like a billion times more than all that they used to get these things up to the moon. And now they're talking about things that are even smaller, more energy efficient, etc. It's rather amazing. Okay, from Mail Online. Eating chili peppers may slash the risk of premature death by a quarter due to fiery capsaicin's anti-inflammatory properties study finds. Okay, I eat a lot of that stuff because we eat Thai food like 400 times a week, but would you give that to Mabel? Pass that back to Mabel because she's, she's dying back there. Okay, uh, not literally dying, she's just coughing. And so, U.S. researchers renewed data covering the health and diets of 570,000 people. These were collected by four previous studies in China, Iran, Italy, and the United States. They found that capsaicin consumption appears to have wide-ranging health benefits. So go to your Thai restaurant, especially if you're in Sarasota, go right down the road here. We got the Thailand restaurant, best restaurant in town, wonderful people, and eat a lot of spicy stuff, and that'll help you live longer, okay? Revelation plagues today, Zero Hedge. NHS nurse publicly resigns and she blasts COVID lockdown policy. This is in England and she stood out there. She's probably risking her own freedom by doing this because they don't tolerate that anymore in England. You can't talk out at all, but here you go. An NHS nurse in Britain publicly resigned while wearing her uniform before releasing the real numbers of COVID patients in her hospital and denouncing the government's disastrous lockdown policy. The whole of England officially entered lockdown 2.0 today, which was a few days ago, despite numerous experts warning that lockdowns will eventually end up killing more people than coronavirus itself. 
A video out of Cornwall shows a nurse in a uniform giving a speech. She's got a, you know, out on the street uh-huh. speaking in one of those loudspeakers, giving a speech explaining why she decided to resign from her job. I don't need the uniform to prove that I work for them, but today I'm publicly resigning. The nurse then revealed how she received an email from her bosses demanding an explanation as to why she was being critical of official COVID policy and that people were reporting her. Unfortunately, I can't lie anymore, said the nurse, explaining how she took a screenshot of internal hospital data showing that there were just three people across three hospitals in the region affected with COVID. The total deaths from these three hospitals across the last seven months is just 76 people, roughly 10 deaths a month, according to the nurse, who questioned why it was necessary for her region to go into lockdown given such sparse figures. I've decided there's no point. I have gone against the rules within the NHS. I have shared confidential information that people need to see, said the nurse, adding that other doctors and nurses were trying to speak out. The enforcement of a new lockdown is likely to bring with it more draconian measures of enforcement. Unbelievable. But at least she was brave enough to get out there and do that. She's dead. CNN. Denmark plans to call up to 17 million mink to stop mutated coronavirus. Denmark, the world's largest producer of mink furs, plans to call all mink in the country to contain a mutated form of novel coronavirus. The virus is mutated in mink. The mutated virus is spread to humans. Staten's Serum Institute had found five cases of the virus in mink farms and 12 examples in humans that showed reduced sensitivity to antibodies. Allowing the virus to spread could potentially limit the effectiveness of future vaccines. Now imagine them saying, well, we need to call how many? 17 million dogs in the United States, right? Dogs are the culprit now, and they're going to come in and take away your puppies. I, I will defend my home, and that includes nine puppies. One of them's about to punch his ticket. Zachy's on his way out, but, oh, he's just bones. He literally, in the past week, isn't he? They saw him. He is so thin. There is nothing left of him, and yet he eats. And I'm not going to have a dog put down that eats. He, he just eats it right up. He's just so small, the poor guy. He is a beautiful dog. If you want to see Zachy in action, it's kind of hard to find because there are other people that have done this since I did it. But I did a video on one of my YouTube channels. It's called the Hallelujah Dogs. Hallelujah. And it's Zacchaeus. And I go and I ask him a question. And I ask him a couple questions. He doesn't do anything. And then I say, can you say hallelujah? And that dog goes crazy. Anytime I used to say hallelujah, that dog would just go berserk. And then Fatso's laying next to him. He's just laying there like a blob on the uh, sofa. And Zachy starts, you know, howling to the Lord. And Fatso, he can't even get up to howl, but he goes, so It's a pretty cute video. Anyway, hallelujah, dogs. That's my Zachy, and he's on his way out. Okay, um, but imagine, that's, imagine they might want to do that. They've got an agenda to get rid of things in this world. Mink, they don't want to harm mink because it's not right for people to, yeah. But what do they do? They call all the mink in order to save the mink. It's, it's crazy. Well, imagine them doing that with your dogs next, okay? From Mail Online. We have one last chance to stop a second wave. Mayor de Blasio tells New Yorkers to limit holiday parties and travel as the city's COVID-19 infection rate reaches 2.2%, and Governor Cuomo warns that the state is approaching two worst months of the pandemic. Mayor Bill de Blasio urged New York City residents to limit holiday gatherings and travel. Mail Online, Bill de Blasio calls New York City's indoor dining policy to be re-evaluated. They just let them go up and now they're going to take them back down as cases of COVID-19 spike in the Big Apple just six weeks after it restarted at only 25% capacity. They were going to go up to 50 and now they're going to take away the 25 they have. These people have a suicide. I don't either. They what? They voted them back in. Let them have it. Let them have I agree. I don't disagree with that. I just don't understand the, the mentality of these people. Morality. Christian Post. Colorado voters reject late-term abortion ban in statewide referendum. Statewide, Colorado did that. Colorado voters have rejected a measure that would have banned abortions after 22 weeks of gestation, except when there is a life-threatening medical emergency for the mother. Forget the baby, just the mother. Oregon Live. Oregon decriminalizes possession of street drugs becoming first in nation. Any street drugs? Whatever you want. Fox 5, D.C. voters approved decriminalizing magic mushrooms, other psychedelics. 
CBS, this is all just blowback from the last week's election. I'm just letting you know. CBS, New Jersey residents to vote to legalize recreational marijuana. KTAR, Arizona voters approve Proposition 207 to legalize recreation marijuana. Washington Blade, New York candidates become first openly gay black men elected to Congress. USA Today, Sarah McBride becomes first openly transgender state senator in the nation elected in Delaware. So they're just, they're so proud of all these things they're doing all over the nation, destroying the nation one vote at a time. Our other category, Times of Israel, Iran, China set to question U.S. over human rights record at UN. Iran, China set to question U.S. Yeah, the U.S. is facing its first review in five years at the U.N.'s main human rights body with the tensions of migrant children and the killings of unarmed black people. Yeah, we just go out and shoot them just because, right? During the Trump admin's tenure among issues high on minds, foes from countries like Iran, Syria, Venezuela, Russia, and China were among those seeking to question and scrutinize the United States. Yeah, hello. Zero hedge. China leapfrogs U.S. with world's first 6G satellite amid raging tech war. So 5G is out. We're now moving up to 6G. As the U.S. tech war with China continues to rage, China has leapfrogged the United States in satellite telecom tech with the successful launch of the world's first sixth-generation satellite into space. Space excuse me, into space. The experimental satellite containing advanced telecommunications technology was launched into low Earth orbit from the Taiyuan Satellite Launch Center in China's northern Shangxi province. According to Yikai Media Group, 6G is more than 100 times faster than 5G. Imagine that. It enables seamless transmission, longer distances, faster speeds, and smaller power output from space to land-based communications devices. So 5G is like a billion times faster than 4G, and now this is going to be 100 times faster than 5G. Um, Amazing. Uh, Yeah, well, I don't know. He asked who they stole it from. I don't know, but uh, we had, you know, in the previous administrations, like uh, what was the name, Clinton? He just gave him stuff. He just gave it against U.S. law, and he did it. Nobody did anything about it. Anyway, zero hedge. Dollar-based businesses flourish in Venezuela while the country starves. Dollar-based businesses. Their money is worth nothing there, so the people that can afford dollars have dollars, and everybody else has to use the stuff that doesn't work. Venezuela has seen nothing short of a full collapse of its economy over the past several years. That's the wonderful benefits of both hyperinflation and socialism continue working together. Can I help you, sir? Oh, that's my son coming in late. Um... (laughs) continue working together. Now the path forward for socialist leader Nicolas Maduro seems to have turned to dollarization, despite the fact that it is further widening an inequality gap in a country where its citizens barely have access to water, electricity, gasoline, and food. Maduro's embrace of dollar-based businesses have also led to a dollar underground in Caracas, complete with a dozen new delivery services bringing to their doors everything from truffle salmon poke bowls to electronic cigarettes and $50 gluten-free birthday cakes. The rest of the country is literally starving, and they're doing these things here. The dollarization over the country has created an alternate universe of luxury businesses, even while the country's economy has shrunk from 65% over the last five years. This year, it's down 20% alone. The options are endless for those with dollars in a country where a majority of its citizens don't have access to basic items. And this is what those people that are being elected into the left in our nation want. They want this type of a system. It'll work this time. It's never worked in human history, but it'll work this time in the United States. Bad news. Next article, CNN, Bolivia. Their new president, Bolivia's Luis Arque, sworn in as president as socialists return to power. We didn't get enough of it. We're just going to shoot ourselves a little bit more. Zero hedge. Mike Bloomberg blew $100 million in Florida, Ohio, and Texas. The three states that he lost, he tried to overthrow them. $100 million. Makes me laugh. (laughs) While Trump may or may not remain POTUS following what can best be described as malarkey in several states, billionaire Mike Bloomberg blew $100 million trying to flip three states blue following his exit from the 2020 presidential race. 
Trump won all three states soundly. However, Bloomberg also sought to flip the Senate back to the Democrats, which didn't work, which would have allowed them, along with a potential President Biden, to actually roll back President Trump's tax cuts, pack the Supreme Court, and carry out the rest of their legislative laundry list. So, fail on Bloomberg's part. What's that? Yeah, mini Mike from Fox. New Jersey banned single-use bags and foam containers, so you can't have them anymore. But remember, at the beginning of the COVID crisis, they couldn't use the things that they were using, the uh, recyclable bags, because it was transmitting COVID, so they went back to plastic bags. So now they're not going to be able to carry anything. They're just going to have to get their groceries and carry them in their arms. I don't know what they're thinking. Anyway, from the Daily Wire, the moment the election ended... Oregon, I said this last week, but I'm confirming it with an article. Oregon governor brought in National Guard to clear out Antifa in Portland. As soon as it ended, and she had retained power, bring in the National Guard. From Detroit voting search, a man who has been dead since 1984 voted in the 2020 election in Michigan. There's lots of them. I just picked one. Zero Hedge, racist Trump won more minority votes than any GOP candidate since 1960. Good job, Trump. Zero Hedge, ESPN cutting 500 jobs. Network blames COVID. Fails to mention ratings plunge due to woke messaging. Epic Times, veterans and Gold Star families to get lifetime free entry into national parks. All of you veterans, you can all have lifetime free entry into national parks. I think I'll go to one tomorrow. All right. But you know what? I was in the U.S. Air Force for nine years, four months, and 15 days, and I had forgotten something that my wife mentioned at the house a day ago when uh, we were talking, Don and Pam and Hideko and I, and she said uh, we were talking about um, uh, one of the jobs that I had in the Air Force, okay? You're told to never, ever volunteer for anything, okay? Never. And But in basic training, everybody has to have one job in the Air Force. I don't know how it is nowadays, but at the time, you had to volunteer for one thing. And the first, I, I, I have a tough time breathing, okay? If I talk too much, you'll see me stop and I have to breathe again. And if I eat, it gets stuck there. It happens all the time. And I got a constricted esophagus. And I had forgotten why I had gotten this thing. But my wife reminded me, when I was in the Air Force, they uh, everybody has to have their one volunteer assignment. And I was standing in line the first day at lunch break. We're getting ready to go in for lunch. And they said... Um, we need a water monitor. This person is to give every single person, you're in hot Texas, it's very dry and very hot. Every person has to drink two glasses of water before they can touch anything else. No food, no drink, nothing until they drink two full glasses of water. And I said, water monitor. That's what I want to do. It's the easiest job in the world. I'm going to give everybody two glasses of water and I won't have to do any other special job while I... I, as the water monitor, was called out. First person called out every day. Water monitor forward. I went forward and I started filling up water. And the whole flight went through. All 50, 60, 80 guys, however many there were. They all went through and they got their food and they went and sat down. Okay, and each table had to stop and wait. Everybody sat down and then they ate. Okay, I'm the last person through. And I would sit down. And the first day, I didn't realize what was coming. I sat down and they said, time to go. And I hadn't even touched my food. I hadn't even touched it. And I had to go. And the next day, I rushed as quick as I could with the water. And I got, I told him, go, guys. I sat down and I had like one bite. Or I think it was dinner that night. One bite. And this went on for about five days where I didn't have anything to eat. And finally, I realized if I'm going to make it through this, I started swallowing food. And when I got back, you do you remember this, Mom? I got back. I couldn't chew food anymore. I had forgotten how to chew food. I would just inhale it. And I, the first time I sat down, my wife said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm having dinner. She said, I was done in like four seconds. And, but when I learned how to chew again, I developed that. That's why I'm always breathing hard and I can't, I have to stop. Sorry about that. Anyway, now you know. Um, okay, so let's see here. Um, where was I? Oh, veterans' families. That's what got me onto that. From Breitbart, Joe Biden in September. I will not declare victory until the election is independently certified. So he's a liar even before he's in office. Okay. Breaking 911, Trump reaches deal with all major U.S. pharmacies to distribute COVID-19 vaccine totally free. The next president, will, if he is in, will get the credit for that. But Trump is the one that did all of this work. Now, I will say that unless they make it mandatory and they actually shove it into my body without my permission, I ain't getting it. Okay, from Zero Hedge. 
students can now pay tuition using coconuts at a Bali university. Did you know this? Anybody got children in college? Send them to Bali and all they need is coconuts and they can pay for their college. And guess what I did for you all over the past couple days? (laughs) I've got all of you coconuts. Yes, I got, look at this. I got some big ones. Okay, and I got some little ones. All right, if, if you're a small coconut, I got a little one for you. And guess what? I got some that even are already starting to grow palm trees out of them. And you know, if you eat a peanut and that little thing at the top is so sweet, you eat this and this is the best part of the meat. Anyway, what? Well, not anymore because I took the husk off of it. But if you had just left it in there, it would turn into a coconut tree. But I've got lots of coconuts for everybody. And you can take these and you can send your child to Bali with them. And you can put them through college, okay? So we'll put these by the door and everybody will get a chance to have coconuts when you leave. Take all you want. Just take all you want. Okay. Um, And while I was shucking coconuts, Don, who's been staying with us, decided he's going to try to shuck a coconut too. And he did really well. I was surprised. He really got through. Most people get in there and they cannot do it. It takes a special, you, you got to know what you're doing. And he did a very good job. So my hat is off to you. All right. Yeah, good job. All right. So let's see here. Um, students can now pay tuition using coconuts at a Bali university. Oh, the reason why I got so many coconuts is because of the hurricane. I had hundreds of them in my yard. I threw away garbage cans full of them. I threw a lot back in the bay and they're floating around hitting boats right now. But these ones, I yeah. Okay, um, Bali's economy is heavily dependent on tourism, which obviously has not been doing so hot this year due to COVID-19. With many students facing hardships to pay tuition, one university in Bali is now accepting coconuts. Also, moringa leaves and go-to cola leaves instead of cash. The coconuts are then processed into coconut oil. The coconut oil, along with moringa and go-to cola, are then made into herbal soaps. This might sound like a publicity gimmick, but the school has actually been accepting coconuts for payment since March. And only recently did the media catch wind of the program. And being at the forefront of the news, I caught wind of it, and I'm presenting that to you. All right. I have a a lesser here for you, and I want you to try to figure out what they are talking about. The payment they're taking is nuts. Schools open, no ifs and or buts. No money for pay. In the dorm, they will stay. Soap keeps them from salary cuts. Good job. Okay. Uh, Les has a new book out. I talked about it a while ago. It is now out on Kindle and Amazon. It's called Coping Midst Unrest, Hope from the Psalms that Delivers Peace. Okay. So if you want to order that, you can get it right online. And uh, he's a good guy. You can support him that way. We'll see how the book is. I have not had a chance to read it. And he gave a little plug on it. Leaning on God's word gives us hope, even in a world turned upside down. So hope from the Psalms. Okay. And I got irony here for you and we'll be done. This is kind of ironic. Mail online. Cop receives a life-saving kidney transplant from the former most wanted criminal he jailed twice. Yes, such is the world in which we live. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.